uh, your tool notes will show you uh, where we're going to go as well. Well, every year, uh, our cars go into the garage uh, MOT'd. Kind of inspect them, make sure everything is up to scratch. And not just your cars, but perhaps your boilers, um, the annual service, to make sure, again, everything's in good working order. Um, perhaps, indeed, other things too. Because some of the big and most important things in our lives, they get checked regularly. They get examined to see uh, whether, indeed, everything is as it should be. But I think our lives can so often be so full, so busy, that it's all too easy to go actually for quite a long time without actually thinking about how our spiritual lives are going. Now, this morning's passage, I think, is a little bit like an MOT for the soul. It's going to be a time for, for reflection, to examine how our souls are doing, how our spiritual lives are. And I think this could be helpful, even if, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here this morning, to kind of see how you stand in relation to God. If you have been a Christian, whether it's been for six months or 36 years or longer, it actually, again, it's going to be a helpful time to see ourselves. It will be, I think, a difficult time as well, though. So let's pray uh, as we start to do that. Father God, we please pray for your Spirit's work in us. Uh, Lord, please would you help us to, would you give us clear sight into our hearts? Uh, Father, please, though, would what we hear and go to our heads, would that indeed travel to our hearts and indeed then to our lives too? Please, Father, also direct our, our thoughts and our attention, our love to the Lord Jesus and our trust in him would you build, please. In his name we pray. Amen. Great. Well, last week we started the, the Sermon on the Plain, where as Jesus gathered his apostles, uh, the, his wider disciples, indeed, kind of further crowds, and he started to teach them. And right there, from the beginning, we saw that actually Jesus' kingdom is kind of radical upside down, so different to how the world often thinks, and maybe indeed how, how different to how we often think. We saw those big calls, didn't we? Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Give to those who, um, who harm you. Really big calls on our lives. Well, today we're in the second half. We're going to do the second half of this sermon. And we're going to see more of the same. But again, I just want to remind us right from the outset to be really clear that these things that we saw last week, these things that we see today, that they're not an entrance exam to the kingdom of God. They're more like the membership rules of the kingdom of God. So it's not if you do these things and if you can do them well enough, then yes, okay, you're in. But it's no, as those who have received grace, who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is how our lives should look. Keep that in mind as we go through uh, and the first point that we're going to see um, from the second half is don't be judgmental. Look, I, I put a break in between uh, verse 36, was it 36 and verse 37. I put that break in to kind of break it up for us so it was, we weren't all doing it in one. But, but that break wasn't there. It, this was kind of flowed through. And so don't miss the connection between what we saw last week and this week. So please look at verse 36. Again, so key. 
Um, Jesus there, as the motivation for loving enemies, he says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Why do you love your enemies? Why are you merciful to them? Well, because our Father is merciful. And that flows through into this next half. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. God is merciful. We, we say that often in the creed, don't we? God, whose nature is always to have mercy. God is merciful. He loves to show mercy. He loves to, to not give what we deserve. Loves to give grace instead. And if God is like that, well, then so should we. And here, uh, I say, moving on from that love your enemies to, to here, not judging. And I think verse 37 is... Perhaps one, some of Jesus' most famous commands is probably up there with the most misunderstood too. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And see how he goes on. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Some of Jesus, uh, these are some of Jesus' words. In fact, actually, I think our world does embrace at the moment. Actually, this idea of you can't judge me, don't judge me, that is very much embraced by our world at the moment. Uh, somebody who I used to um, play some sports with had, had a tattoo, only God can judge me. Now, as far as I know, actually, you don't think he really even believed in God. What he was really saying is that you can't judge me. You have no rights to make any comment on how I'm living my life. It's actually a statement of kind of radical independence. But is that what Jesus really means? Something I think Christians can get modeled over. This verse was quoted at me by a family member who fell out with their church because friends of theirs, the, the leaders of the church, challenged friends of theirs who are a, um, a couple, an unmarried couple who were living and sleeping together. And I say my, my, my family member got very upset that that happens. Someone in my previous, our previous church criticised the leadership, including me, for, for challenging a book that was promoting outright heresy, not just kind of something Christians can disagree with, outright heresy. And we said, perhaps that's not the best book to be reading yourself and to be recommending to others. And again, they didn't like that. You shouldn't judge me. Is that what Jesus meant? But Jesus is not saying that turn off discernment. Jesus is not saying close your eyes to sin. We're going to see in a minute that actually both of those things are affirmed. We should be doing those things. But what he's saying is that don't be judgmental. It's an attitude thing. One way to put it, I thought so clearly and helpfully, a Christian should not judge others harshly or relish the opportunity to criticize others and rejoice when they find faults with others. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't be judgmental and critical and looking for faults in others. Rather, be, be generous in spirit. Forgive when wrong is done to you. If I go beyond that, give. You know, what mercy God has shown us He's withheld his judgment upon us if we're Christians because that judgment was poured out on Jesus instead 
And if the Father is like that with us, how can we be quick to pick up and to judge others and find fault and condemn? And then then Jesus kind of gives this this kind of picture that would have been very common at every marketplace um, across the nation. Um, You find it there in verse um, 38. It's the idea of the got big big um, vats of grain or something, and you'd have a, a bowl and measure, and they'd scoop some up. And when it's kind of about half full, you kind of sh- shake it, level it out, and then you scoop some up some more and kind of shake it out, fill it up, and then press it down with your hands, and then, yeah, a little bit more in on top as well. You made sure you got the full measure of everything. And God says, if you're generous like th- if Jesus says, if, if you're generous like that, well, God will be generous like that with you. Whereas if you use a kind of tiny cup and you kind of fill it half full, that's what God will be like with you. Jesus is saying, look, God is going to use the same standard to judge you as as, as you use to judge others. If you are judgmental and harsh with no room for mercy, well, then that's what you can expect from God. If you're patient and generous and merciful... Well, then that's what you can expect from God. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Someone come to your mind, as I've been speaking about here, who may have done wrong to you. Is there someone you need to forgive? Do you find it all too easy to see the failures in others and actually seeing them makes you feel quite good? Maybe even now you're thinking, I'm so glad that that person is here hearing this. They really need this this morning. But remember, your father, our Father is merciful. Don't be judgmental. Be generous in spirit with others. So don't be judgmental. But as I said, that's not saying don't judge. But actually, no, there are things that we should judge. And I think the rest of the sermon picks up on some of those things that we should judge. When I say judge, I mean kind of have discernment about, to examine, to think carefully, to take action where necessary. There are things that we need to have good judgment with. And the first one is, uh, do judge your teacher. Do judge your teacher. We must be discerning when it comes to who we follow. So Jesus tells a little parable in verse 9. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Very simple. Can a blind man lead a blind man? No. Will they not both fall into a pit? Yes. Jesus is saying, look, make sure you pick the right guide. Because if you follow the wrong guide, it can lead you to a pit. He explains in verse 40, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Jesus here is speaking of who we, we follow in life. And he's, here's why it's so important as well, because the person that you follow, you will become like them. A student becomes like their teacher. And so the, the church that you go to, the leaders that are there, the Christian books that you read, 
the sermons that you download, they matter. Make sure that you're not following the blind. Today, it has never been more easy to hear more teaching than today. Never been easier. But just because someone waves a Bible around and quotes a few verses throughout doesn't mean that he is preaching Jesus faithfully. Make sure we're we're careful with who we are following. But but obviously, bigger and more, more importantly than that, as it were, we're very much connected, is um, Jesus, no doubt, I'm sure, had the Pharisees in mind here. As he's talking to his disciples in the crowds, the Pharisees who he clashed with that we saw a few weeks ago, their legalistic, self-righteous, hypocritical way of engaging with God. Jesus said, look, I'm out with that way. But if you follow that way, that's what you're going to end up like. They'll lead you to a pit. Jesus is saying, you need ultimately to follow me. Those human people you follow are only as good as they lead to me, and as they're following me themselves. If you go to a church that teaches, look, you have to do X, Y, and Z to be a Christian, well, that's going to lead to self-righteous destruction. If you watch YouTube videos of a pastor who says, all you need to do is have enough faith and you'll get all the money and the, the physical health that you, that you want and crave. When your heart's going to start living entirely for the things of this world, and you'll lose eternity. Follow Jesus and have as teachers those who teach his words. So do judge, exercise discernment on who it is that you are following. Secondly, do judge yourself and others humbly. The, the next image is a, is a comical one. Have a look at verse 41. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck uh, that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. That, that kind of speck is a kind of word for it, like a, a piece of sawdust. And, and the log, you kind of, maybe you're thinking, right, like kind of two by four, something. Well, it's actually even more, it's bigger than that. The, the log was like the kind of main beam in the house that kind of held it all up. And you say, what on earth are you doing? Going around trying to take little bits of sawdust out of people's eyes when you have this enormous great plank in your own. What are you doing? It is an absolutely ridiculous idea. And yet, it is something that we can so easily do. The problem with having a log in your own eye is that you see logs everywhere. As I look at you, I see a log. As I look at you, I see a log. So you look at you, I see a log. I look at you, I see your sin, and I can see your failures, and I can see your struggles, and oh, they look awful. We're so quick to see the sins of others more than our own. And I think the proportions are deliberate as well. Because when this attitude abounds, that, that bit, of, bit of sawdust, 
and your own log, actually how it is, you, you see the faults of others and that looks so bad and so serious and then you kind of minimise and forget your own faults and failures. Just a couple of signs that this may be a problem. How much time last week did you spend confessing your sins compared to how much time did you spend thinking about and talking about the sins of others? How worked up do you get by your own sins as opposed to the sins of others? By worked up, I mean kind of how bad you think they are, how seriously do you take them? How quick we are to go, oh, yeah, it just, I was tired, or I had a bad day, or it wasn't no big, and yet you get really riled by others. Jesus isn't saying, shut your eyes to sin completely. There is a right occasion and a right way of correcting others, of helping others see the sin that they have. In fact, the Bible regularly teaches the importance of doing so. And if you see how uh, Jesus ends in verse 42, he says, look, you hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So it's not as though we can never or should never challenge somebody when we see sin in their lives. But first, assess yourself, judge yourself, before we presume to judge or to help others. Look, if we go in with the attitude that, yes, that there is something here that, that needs to lovingly be addressed, but that I've, got, I've almost certainly got something far bigger going on in my own heart that needs to be addressed. If we do that, then that's going to help us check whether that conversation should be had, and it is certainly going to help with the tone that that conversation happens with. Because look, there are two ways to help someone with an issue of sin. One is that judgmental and proud attitude. I'm better than you, you need to change. The other is humble. I'm a fellow sinner, so desperately in need of Jesus' grace, as we both do. Makes the world of difference. So the, do judge, look, we do judge ourselves first. The order's importance. We do that humbly. But it is, there are also times there are right to help brothers and sisters see things that they can't see themselves. Make sure we get the order and the emphasis right. Thirdly, do judge your heart. As we're examining ourselves then, as we're judging ourselves, we're looking for areas that are going unchecked and we find sin there, what do we do? Or to use Jesus' language, how do we take that log out of our eye? Well, the first thing is we need to know where to focus our attentions. Because Jesus explains where our actions and words come from. So verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from the thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth 
speaks. I'm no good at trees. I, I don't know any difference to trees. I don't know if you're any better than me. Probably some of you are. Does anyone know what kind of tree that is? Don't worry too much. I've deliberately made it quite hard. But when you know what kind of that tree is, is when you see the fruit. Okay? When, when the apples all pop out, I'm like, oh, it's an apple tree. I know that. Or this one. Yeah, don't look too carefully because you might know. Yeah, but when the figs come out, oh, okay, it's a fig tree. Of course, I understand what it is now. Jesus making the point is, look, you know what kind of tree it is by what kind of fruit comes out of it. Jesus is explaining where our actions and our words come from. They come from the kind of tree that we are. It comes from our hearts. Do you know that out of, uh, see that in verse 44, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure, impl- impl- implication in his heart, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, the issue isn't simply our words and our actions. If we kind of see those as the only thing that needs to be addressed, or we're only dealing with a surface level, our actions and our, our words, they're, they're the fruit. They reveal what is inside, at the core of who we are. I think that is a really painful reality. Can you grasp that? I think we are very quick to, to excuse ourselves. To did something, you're like, oh, that was really out of character. Really out of character. That, that just wasn't me. It wasn't really me who did that. When the truth is, our words and our actions reveal our hearts. They show what is within. So, uh, to, to use a... Amen. Amen. So to use a kind of illustration, and I've slightly scared the tech team, and I hope I don't get you guys. But um, here, here's my bottle. And the kind of question, I think I've done this before, but the, the question is, it's a, why, why did water, why is there water on the floor? Well, one kind of answer is because I shook the bottle, right? I, I shook the bottle, and that's what came out. And we are so often too quick to as it were, blame our circumstances for our actions. This happened because somebody did that to me or whatever. Now, the reason there's water on the floor is because there was water in the bottle. Water came out of the bottle because there's water inside. And so when cruel words and violent outbursts happen, well, it's not just because I had a bad night's sleep or it's hot or they provoked me. Now, when those things come out, it's a reflection of what's in our hearts. Equally, when caring words and compassionate actions come out, they come from what is within. Now, again, we've got to be be clear here. Even as Christians, as Christians who have been given new hearts, they are still contaminated by sin, and they will be while we're living in this world. Jesus is not here saying, like reaching for perfection, as it were. But he's saying, well, what is the typical fruit of our lives that comes out? Jesus here is directing our focus to where the work needs to be done. When we have these logs in our eyes, that sin there, how do we, do we try and deal with that? Well, it's not simply by addressing the actions themselves. No, the work needs to be deeper than that. It needs to be heart work. 
is here to drive us to Jesus. Because, again, so often, those horrible things come out of us. It's here to drive us to Jesus, to remind us that actually it is when we are poor and needy and hungry, those things we saw last week, when we recognize our needs, that he will fill us with his grace. Look, so when you're praying and you're, you're hopefully confessing those, those sins, don't simply pray, Lord, help me not to do them again. Do that. But pray deeper than that. Pray for heart change. And also this last point helps us think through how this work happens. Finally, do judge your response. By response, I mean your response to hearing Jesus' words. uh, This question, you probably notice, it's so full of hypothetical questions. Uh, But I think verse 46 is probably the most challenging. Jesus uh, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Wow. Think about it logically, it doesn't make sense. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, you recognize who I am, you say I'm your savior, you say I'm your king, and, and if I'm the king, if I'm the Lord... Why don't you do what I say? Wow. Even by this stage, Jesus and the crowd, he knows there are hypocrites. Those who will say one thing with their mouths, but actually reveal something completely different by the way they're living. And so Jesus, again, gives us another, another word picture, which shows the importance of having the right foundations. So verse uh, 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And that would have been a picture that they would have been very familiar with. You want to build a house? Well, look, you've got to dig down through the soil, through the clay, get the rock and build on that foundation. That is hard. That takes time. That is painful, toil, labor, no JCBs in those days. That's an axe and a spade. But you do that, and middle verse 48, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. It was built on rock-solid foundations. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, the second one couldn't be bothered with all that hard work. Couldn't be bothered with that discipline and toil. No, just whack the house up. It looks great, it looks the same. Until the storm comes. The the word used for kind of the the flood, the storm, in these, these verses throughout the Bible is used for personal calamity. But if somebody does, so so when that personal calamity, when that storm of life hits, well then all is revealed. But even if managed to avoid that, the storm of life, well there is no escaping this final judgment. Since since Noah, since the time Noah, when God flooded the earth, that, that flood has been a picture of God's judgments. And Jesus is saying, look, there is this final judgment coming. What is your foundation? Do you have a foundation? And the foundation is how we respond to Jesus' words. You see here in these verses, there are these, these 
um, two groups. There's that group who hears and does and who is built on the rock. And there is those who hears and doesn't do and doesn't have a foundation and goes crashing down. I think the challenging thing in this second group, particularly challenging for us, is that there are actually two parts of that. I guess those those who hear and don't do it and walk away and have nothing to do with it. But there are also those who hear and say, Lord, Lord, but don't do it. And it is, I think, ominous. It is is telling that the final note of this sermon is the echo of a collapsing house. You see, how we respond to Jesus and his word is so vitally important. These things we've heard him say through the Sermon on the Mount, those things that you hear him say, in your quiet time tomorrow morning. These things that you hear when a friend encourages you with a verse and, like, and, and so on. How we respond to those things is vitally important. And how wonderful it is to know, ultimately though, that as we look to that judgment day, again, it's not based on our performance, just quite how well you do enough. How wonderful it is to know that Jesus absorbed the flood of God's judgment himself upon the cross and we hide and shelter behind him as we trust him we respond to his word by trusting in him and him alone and then we respond to his word by seeking to live it out each and every time we hear it yeah we're not judgmental but we are to judge we are to show discernments in our teachers ourselves first and others in our hearts and our response to him. That, as it were, is our kind of spiritual MOT this morning. As we've gone through, I don't know if you've kind of thought, well, yikes, there's, there's some, something that's seriously wrong here that needs major work. Or maybe there are some of those kind of early warning signs of problems to come. Can I encourage you to spend some time today thinking, praying, examining, seeing how you're doing in these areas. But can I equally encourage you to, to, to not as were, be aware of over-introspection. As we look at ourselves, make sure for everyone look at ourselves, we have 10 at Jesus. Because that's what he's seeking to do here, to, pull, to draw us to him. And likewise, again, I'm be very aware that there'll be many of us who have very sensitive consciences. As we hear these things, we're just kind of feeling worse and worse and worse and worse about ourselves. Oh, I'm a rubbish Christian. But again, remember that these things are here to drive and pull us to Jesus. And our foundation is him. Let's pray. Father, please, would the truth that we hear from Jesus every time we hear it flow from our heads to our hearts and into our hands. Please, Father, would you help us again in our attitudes to each other to be merciful and generous with each other. Please, though, help us to be serious about sin and serious about who and what we're following. Please, Father, would you help us to, even this morning, be those who who not just hear but also put into practice. In Jesus' name, amen.